0: Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's talk for two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey.
1: Thank you, Gary, and thanks as always to our season sponsors, Axtel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. Find fantastic podcasts at tangentboundnetwork.com, and all your entertainment needs are at axtel.com. Now, before we get started today, as you can probably hear, and you'll definitely hear it in the interview, It's that time of year again for me. It happens twice a year. I'm going to (coughs) cough. Excuse me. As you can hear, I get a sinus infection that lasts three days with a cough that lasts three weeks. Every single time. Although I have to say, for those of you interested in following the septoplasty chronicles, I don't feel as gunked up in the nose as before when this would happen. And the sore throat was completely different. So if you're thinking of getting a septoplasty, just know your head colds are going to be... A little bizarre. So I just want you to be aware of that because I do cough a couple of times on the recording of the interview. And of course, we have a couple other shows coming up and I'm going to be recording them soon. And who knows how long this raspy, gremlin-like gremlin voice is going to stay. So just so you're aware, coffee, a little nasally, but still all here in the brain and in the mouth and eager to do this show. And back to the show. Today, we get to explore a whole different realm here on Talk for Two. Actually, it's a whole bunch of different realms. The paranormal, the cryptid, the unidentified, and the unexplained. I love this stuff. And I finally found a guest and a show that she hosts, amazing, that lets me indulge in all things conspiracy conspiratorial, I'm going to try to say that word several times and and mess it up, about what is actually out there, rumored but unconfirmed, on our blue little marble and beyond. That is because our guest today, the wonderful Jennifer Marshall, is host of the CW's conspiracy investigative series, Mysteries Decoded. Each week, Jennifer, an open-minded skeptic, Pairs with a true believer in what that episode's investigation is focusing on. And that is at the heart of why I love this show. It is not an hour where you sit down and you're roped in by tricky editing and all the tension uh, that you just sit back and go, wow, that was an hour of filler where all they did was make stupid cat calls in the wood or stare up at the sky because they saw a video of some blurb going across the screen. Jennifer and her weekly co-host truly dig into each and every story, finding real evidence, witnesses, and experts to both support and refute whatever they happen to be chasing. Marshall, an actress you may recognize from Stranger Things 2, she played Max's mom in a few episodes of the second season of the Netflix hit, is also a well-respected private investigator. This is true. This isn't just some contrivance for the show. She really is a private investigator when she's not doing a a particular part on a TV series or in a play or in a film. And her talents marry to make her the perfect host for Mysteries Decoded. And I want to stop here. I typically don't point this out because as a white man, it feels awkward, but Having grown up watching shows similar to this, but with less substance, on History Channel and Travel Channel and Nat Geo, with with the creepy guy, you know, either narrating or standing in a cemetery and looking like he's going to murder you, it is really refreshing to see a woman host a paranormal investigative series. Especially a series this all-encompassing that isn't just paranormal, but is Mothman and and you know, Area 51 and all the stuff they have upcoming and that they've done a- and just focuses on so many unexplained things. Have a woman hosting it just adds a dimension to it that is just beautiful to see and I hope we keep going that route and hire more women private investigators to host these kinds of shows because it is just lovely a- and Jennifer feels it too. She loves this job of hers. It is really fun for her and she live tweets each week. You can follow her on Twitter at Gen13Gen13. Now, I gotta spell that because it's a little different, and it is Gen13 twice, so it's J-E-N-N-1-3, J-E-N-N-1-3. Previous episodes of Mysteries Decoded have focused on Mothman, like I just said, the Roswell incident, and the infamous case of the exonerated Lizzie Borden, who has long been thought to have murdered her family. The particular episode sees Jennifer paired with a supposed psychic medium, and the two really hit it off. And in our interview, we discuss their unique relationship. And we also discuss some of the upcoming investigations, such as Area 51 and and an episode on the Bermuda Triangle. But if you want to get acquainted with Jennifer Marshall and her investigations, all episodes are currently streaming on CW Seed links in the description below on talkfortwo.com. New episodes air on the CW every Tuesday. Check your local listings. Here now to tell us whether or not she's still a skeptic, our interview with Jennifer Marshall. Jennifer Marshall, welcome to the show. How are you today?
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm wonderful.
1: And you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you so much for being here. I am loving Mysteries Decoded on The CW. I have to know, I know you're an actor. I know you're a private investigator. How do those two careers mix and how did it lead to this show on The CW?
0: You know, it's funny because a lot of people would think that the two careers would be very different. But as a private investigator, I interview a lot of people and I'm constantly reading people. And that's what an actor does. When you're in your process, you are in the scene and it's organic and you're reading the other person and you're reacting appropriately. You know, this show was just one of those things where it was kind of just... A unicorn, and it, everything came together perfectly. You know, they, they were looking for a private investigator who understood the world of television, and it just was the right time, right place, right people.
1: Had you investigated any of these paranormal, uh, cryptozoological things in your PI life before, or is this a totally unexplored realm for you?
0: No, this is an absolutely unexplored realm, and I certainly had interest in in a few of the things, especially what happened in Roswell in forty seven mm-hmm. But when you're dealing with historical mysteries or you know cryptids or anything like that, there's there's no one to pay the bills as an investigator. Nobody's going to fly you out and say, "Hey, determine if you believe Lizzie Borden killed her parents." You know ideally that that would be great if somebody you know paid for that to happen. but on the private investigation side, that just doesn't happen. So the ability to do that with the CW and, and be flown out there, spend time where it actually happened, that is once in a lifetime.
1: Well, what I am loving about this show, and I I really, it's hard to put a finger on, but like I grew up watching the, the strange documentaries on Nat Geo and on History Channel. This is so much more substantive. You know, you spend an hour sometimes watching a Bigfoot documentary or a UFO documentary, you're like, well, that, came up with nothing. This, you guys, actually, you follow a trail and it feels so much more substantive. Was that a conscious decision to make sure there was actual, it sounds like I'm being snide when I say this, but I don't mean it like that, actual content, that there was an actual story being told in each of these episodes rather than just sort of the television version of clickbait?
0: Oh, absolutely. We really wanted to investigate every possible angle. So it's not just me looking into this. We have a team of researchers. We have a supervising producer. We have producers. Everybody's pulling as much information as we can as possible Mm -hmm. because each of these, if I were to do them on my own, would take months and months to compile the amount of information. So we hit it up from all different angles. We film days and days and days on each episode and we have enough content for probably three episodes. So we want to hit on as much as we can, but there are times when, you know, we have 42 minutes and that's what we have to fit in. So there have been some people on Twitter who said, hey, did you look into this? And I love engaging with the fans online. I tell them, yes, we definitely hit that up. Um, It was just something that did not pan out because what we do in each investigation is we follow every lead. We don't find out where we want to go and build our story accordingly. We branch out into every possible explanation.
1: And that is so wonderful. And I think believers, you know, people who believe in Bigfoot, people who believe in UFOs, get a bad rap. And, and I know you're a skeptic. Uh, do you think doing this show, you've encountered some people that are believers, but they're not the crazies. Do you think that, that your opinion on people who believe this kind of stuff has changed? And do you think the show will change the opinion of the general public about people who really believe in these sort of uh, paranormal things?
0: You know, I think that I always had... kind of a neutral opinion about believers of certain subjects. Mm -hmm. Unless I am very educated in something, I tend to withhold my opinion, just because I feel like how can I give, how can I have a judgment or an opinion unless I've educated myself really well in the subject. So I certainly went into this with an open mind. And you know, you always have with any sort of conspiracy theory or cryptid scenario, you have people who are on the fringe and they are true believers and you could ask them about you know, specific evidence that, that proves that something doesn't exist. And there are always going to be people who say, well, I believe what I believe and I'm not taking anything else into account. Mm-hmm. But I would say that that's not most of the people we talk to. Most of the people are pretty open-minded. They're willing to listen to other things. Um, so it's been great just working with different communities and, and hearing their stories. I'm always interested in in exploration. And, and this opportunity presented itself in Mysteries Decoded
1: that's wonderful to hear and I know you went into this with an open mind that's very obvious on the show itself especially in the Lizzie Borden episode where you work with a psychic uh, you and her could host your own your own spin-off show of mysteries decoded just that that dynamic was so wonderful and you know I come from the world of, of I don't do it so much anymore but of of magic, of being a a magician, an entertainer, and that world is very, very skeptical of psychics. And yet this person Mm -hmm. that you had on the show, it didn't seem like she was trying to to be a shyster, for lack of a better word, and you pointed that out several times. Can you give us some insight into Mm -hmm. working with her, and and if anything on your opinion about psychics has, has changed through that particular experience?
0: Well, I'll preface this with, you know, I said it in the show, the majority of psychics or mediums I've worked with have been complete fakes. Mm -hmm. And I think that gives the community a bad name. Um, I'm not going to go out and say there's no such thing as a medium because we don't understand how different dimensions work, spirits work, the brain works. Who am I to say, you know, this doesn't exist? I do believe that a lot of people are being dishonest about their skills. Mm -hmm. But there is a chance that, that there are a few people who are real. So with Stephanie, it's funny because you know, there is a lot of eye rolling in the show because her and I just come from two different arenas of life. We're different (laughs) people. But off camera, we've developed a friendship. I loved working with her. We're friends on Facebook. We talk. And, you know, she, some of the things that she did were very surprising. There was a small child spirit that was attaching itself to me. And I, I was not per se, a believer when I went in. I just thought, well, I don't really know what I think about ghosts. Mm-hmm. I haven't personally experienced anything since, since I was a child. And who knows, when you're a child, your imagination runs wild. So I wasn't completely discounting it, but there were several times that I felt this overwhelming feeling of euphoria. And Stephanie would say to me, the child is back. And I did not give her, I did not tell her, I did not give her a look. I felt it, and I went about my business. So at that point, I have to wonder, and this was all off camera. So at this point, I have to wonder, is she seeing something that I just don't see because I can feel it? And she said, this child's spirit is very drawn to you because you have mama bear-type energy. Mm-hmm. And the first time could have been a coincidence, but she pointed out that the child returned on three or four different occasions. So to me... I don't see how that could be coincidence. I think that Stephanie has something that, that that most people don't have, and I don't have proof of that, but it's just from my interactions with her, I don't feel like she's putting something on.
1: That's, and to have you say that, I don't, I don't want to go so far as to say it's an endorsement because you're being level-headed about it, but... You know, you you're a private mm-hmm. investigator, you're an actor. You're not somebody that somebody would look at and go, "She's gullible, she's a mark." You you don't suffer fools easily. I could tell that from the show. And so to to Absolutely. see to see you and to hear you talk about this, you know, apparently I don't know, I don't have the statistics, but apparently we only use a certain percent of our brain power and perhaps
0: Exactly.
1: these mediums who are the ones that you can't really disprove that are obvious you know not obviously fakes perhaps they're tapped into something that science just doesn't understand yet and it doesn't it shouldn't be stigmatized to say that you know and so i agree i think she she probably can see some things and experiences the world a little differently than us and your upcoming episodes area 51 and the Bermuda Triangle. This is going to air either right before next Tuesday or the one before Bermuda Triangle. I have to ask about Area 51 first. What can we expect that maybe we didn't know about Area 51 before to come from this episode? Anything you can oh, tease? Uh,
0: you know, we really look into everything, and the reemergence of Bob Lazar. Who was a very well-known whistleblower in in the 80s? Mm-hmm. You know, he has reemerged, and the things that he has to say, the things that he said back then, many of them have proven to be true now. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know what to say about that. Do I know that Bob Lazar is telling the absolute truth when he says that? We reverse engineered alien spacecraft at Area 51. I don't know that. Or at S-4. S-4 is a subsection of Area 51. Do I know that for sure? No, I I wasn't there. There's no proof of that. But some of the things that he said, I have to look back and say, these things have happened. These things have come true. So how did he know this? He's either incredibly lucky or he knows something that other people don't know. So the stuff with Bob Lazar is very interesting because he's never been on camera outside of a documentary that he did. Mm-hmm. And we incorporate some of that footage from the documentary and talk to the filmmaker who has formed a friendship with Bob, has spent time with Bob, and knows Bob. It's very, very intriguing.
1: Wasn't he the gentleman, and I could be mixing up my uh, my people here from my whistleblowers, wasn't he the gentleman who said they found some sort of element back in the 80s put it on record in like the 80s or 90s, in that documentary, and then it was only just found, quote unquote, in 2013. Is that ringing any bell in your research, or am I kind of way off base? Yeah.
0: So, no, you're you're spot on. Yes, he had explained that uh, there was the existence of Element 115, mm-hmm. and we've been able to replicate it, I believe, you know, less than a second. It's like hundredths of a second. Um, Scientists have been able to replicate it, but we know now that it exists. Skeptics would say, well, you know, he could have said anything. It could have been element, uh, you know, 110, 120. Eventually it would have been discovered. But it's not just that. There were things where, you know, he said, oh, here's the, the flight schedule, for these aircraft for these these whatever they are UFOs mm-hmm. and he brought his family and friends out and lo and behold it happened time and time again so if he's just guessing you know i don't it, that, that's that doesn't make sense you can guess once the correct way but you can't guess over and over and over he knew what the schedule was additionally you know he said that he was that he was educated at, at uh, two different schools that have since said he, he didn't attend here. All of his mm-hmm. attendance records, if he did in fact go there, have been wiped. So to me, this is this is just very, very odd. And I, I'm not exactly sure what to think of it, but it deserves being looked at.
1: I agree. And real last quick thing on, on the whole UFO, Area 51. Now the government is starting to acknowledge in sort of circuitous ways all of these sightings that pilots uh, inca- have encountered, and a lot of files are becoming declassified. Is that, is that anything you guys looked at in this episode, that the government is kind of relenting on its on its secrecy where unidentified aircraft are concerned?
0: We absolutely touch on that. I think it says something when the government—I mean, you have— the entire government, you have the Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, Army. You have Lockheed Martin, Boeing. Everybody is saying no one is claiming ownership of these things that are being seen,
1: mm-hmm.
0: whether it's a private company or the government. So I think at some point, if not for national security reasons, just you know, plain trying to figure out what it is, I think that the right thing was done when these videos were released because if you don't know what it is, is it possible it's something from Russia or China? I'm not going to rule anything out. It's possible. But if it's technology that we cannot replicate and we've never seen before, we have to seriously evaluate if this is something from outside of this planet. And if you figure there's septillion planets, mm-hmm. it's a narcissistic notion to believe we are the only form of intelligent life. And it's a narcissistic, narcissistic notion to say we are actually intelligent life, because who knows if there's another solar system somewhere, another planet, where they're able to travel to where we are, we are not intelligent on their scale
1: at right. all. Right. And shifting gears here uh, real quick, uh, w- my only question for Bermuda Triangle is, is it's a general question, but what did you guys find on that? Because I, ha- I haven't heard recently of any stories where something disappears in the Bermuda Triangle. Those all sort of seem to be folkloric if you will, uh, because so much time has passed. What did you guys find recently regarding the Bermuda Triangle? Is there still suspicious things going on in that area of the ocean?
0: Well, I can't go into what the content of the episode is, but there is relevance to modern day Mm -hmm. because we're looking at a lot of the things with new technology, new science, we're interviewing people. You know, what we understand about... The ocean and rogue waves and magnetic fields is much more advanced than let's say 50 years ago. So in this specific episode, it's very science-heavy, and I love that. I love anything where I can say, "Explain this to me. Why this has happened?" So we interview experts from the Navy. We interview a very, very famous, um, you know, expert with a doctorate. We look into the scientific aspect of. Two incidents in particular, uh, which was the USS Cyclops that Mm -hmm. disappeared. And then we look at, with 300-plus sailors on board, and we look at a a flight. There were some Avengers that had disappeared um, as well. So this episode, I I cannot wait to, uh, to, to air because I think the science buffs will have an appreciation for it.
1: That's really quick. My last two questions, one's about Bigfoot and then one's the big question that is the reason I wanted to interview you above just loving the show. But before we get to my last question, I'm a Bigfoot guy. I mean, I was I've been reading about Bigfoot since I was in the 4th grade. I've been reading about Sasquatch. I have my own sort of moderate opinions of maybe something's out there, but bones should have been discovered, you know. I don't have time to go into it. What is your opinion without going into the content of that episode which is very far off? What is your opinion on on sort of a missing link cryptid possibly being out there somewhere in the Pacific Northwest?
0: You know, I kind of have conflicting feelings about it. Mm -hmm. I think that there are too many sightings to simply say every single person is mistaken. I don't know what it is that people have been seeing, but it pops up different geographical locations through different cultures. It's very common in indigenous cultures. There's something uh, known as the Yeren in China. It's called a a Chinese wild man or a man monkey. It's a legendary creature. So you see this Sasquatch, this Yeti, this Yeren, this Bigfoot, recurring in throughout the world and throughout time. Mm -hmm. So based off of that alone, I'm not willing to completely discount it. And in that episode, We talk to an expert in the field who has a doctorate, and it is intriguing. I can't wait for you to see
1: it. Oh, I'm excited. Now, the big question that I've saved till the end, every episode is about somebody coming on, trying to change your opinion, or trying to give you a new perspective. And in the first episode, you say, I don't know if if these these cases are going to change my opinion. Is there an instance in any of the episodes upcoming where Your opinion has just done done a complete 180.
0: There's been two episodes. Uh, The first one was Lizzie Borden. I went in not really believing in the paranormal aspect of it. Um, When I was down on the ground where uh, Abby Borden was, I was kind of just annoyed and wanted to be done with it. I was not scared. I did not think anything was going to happen. But then I felt a poke of static electricity in my side. Mm -hmm. I can't explain that. Um, that's not something that happens unless someone touches you. So, um, they, the CW uh, thankfully cut out a curse word because I stood up, I cursed and I said, I'm out of here. It was that surprising to me. So do I know for a fact that Stephanie was able to talk to Abby Borden? I don't know that for a fact. It didn't change my opinion. I felt, uh, I felt that Lizzie did it prior to going into it. And then once I completed the investigation, I felt that she did it. I thought it was the first documented case of affluenza. With that being said, It changed my mind, and it made me more open as to the paranormal, maybe another dimension, things we don't understand. Also, we did an episode that will air about Salem witch trials, Mm -hmm. and we got to integrate ourselves within the witch community in Salem. And, you know, it's it's funny because a lot of people look at that community and say, oh, it's weird. It's attention-seeking. Why are they dressed like that? Why do they act like that? And I sat down, and I talked to one of the witches, and she explained to me that she found Um, You know, she found a sense of belonging in this community, and I finally understood it. Me as a veteran, I find belonging in my community, they make me feel welcome, it's good for mental health, it's great to talk to them, it's good for camaraderie, and she has found that in her community. So it really made me more open to, you know what, wherever you find your tribe is where you find your tribe, and we should be less judgmental and more thankful that those people have found their place with the people who who accept them for who they are. I think it's a great thing.
1: Well, that's wonderful. Well, Jennifer Marshall, the show is Mysteries Decoded on the CW Network. You can watch every episode on the CW Seed, get caught up online, but make sure to watch it when it airs because it really, it deserves the ratings and I want to see it come back for season two because like you said, there's so much material you could delve into. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you, thank you, and I'd love to invite them to live tweet during the show with me. I love talking to the fans and seeing what their theories are.
1: Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on, and I didn't get to say this on the on the interview, but I wanted to say it here. Thank you for your service. You talk on Mysteries Decoded about how you were in the military, and I have family in the military, and we always want to make sure we say thank you because I respect that a lot, and I love it. So thank you for your service, and thank you for coming on. Mysteries Decoded on The CW every Tuesday, and you can catch up every single aired episode is on The CW Seed. Link again in the description box on talkfor2.com. That's it for us today. Thanks again to our season sponsors, AxTel Expressions and the Tangent Bound Network. We talked about them at the top of the show. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Talk for Two. Subscribe in iTunes, Stickter, and Spotify. And of course, visit the mothership, talk42.com. Signing off, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two.
0: You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.